Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Here's maybe a question that doesn't even need to be asked, but I'll ask it. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been like upset about something, disappointed with something, and found yourself in a spot where you're trying to ask, what do I do with this frustration? I read recently about a young lady in the nation of China who had been dating a guy for some time, and she come to find out that he had been cheating on her when he dumped her and broke up with her. So for days and for weeks, she was sad and she cried. She had had her heart broken, and she decided that rather than stay frustrated, she was going to respond. So here's what she did. She literally sent onions tons of onions to his front door. Take a look at this. This is a truckload of onions that are being delivered to this guy's apartment. And when he gets home, he finds that the onions out of the trunk are then right by his front door. There's a note there with it that says, I've cried for three days now. It's your turn. Kind of an interesting way to respond out of frustration. Somebody asked her ex why he broke up with her, and he said, quote, she was very dramatic. Sometimes frustration leads to some dramatic responses. We're we're in a series of messages that we're calling Summer Sunday School, and we're taking a look at some of the old stories of the Bible. We started with Adam and Eve, and we've been looking at Noah and Abraham, and we've been using kind of some old school technology just to have a little bit of fun. I remember when I was in Sunday school, maybe as a kid, you might have remembered the old flannel graph boards, and so we're going to use that to kind of just have a little bit of fun as we go through this, and today we're going to look at the life of Moses. Moses is one of the great characters in the Old Testament. He's one of the great characters in Judaism, in Christianity, in our scriptures. And so we're going to take a look at him. And I think it's especially fitting on this Independence Day weekend that we talk about Moses who led his people out of captivity and into freedom. If you don't know the story of Moses, I'll give you just kind of the highlights real quick. Here's the the star of the show, the hero of our story. That's Moses And the story starts out in the nation of Egypt. And at that time in Egypt, the people of God, the Israelites, the Jewish people, were slaves in captivity in Egypt. And you can read the whole story about how Moses was delivered out of the river and how he became an Egyptian prince and about how then he ran away. And eventually at a burning bush, God calls Moses to liberate the people of God. He says, I want to use you to set my people free. And so he goes to Egypt and appears before their ruler, their their king. We refer to him as Pharaoh. And he goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And there's this dramatic story in the book of Exodus of how there's this back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh. And God shows up with these plagues. And eventually Pharaoh says, I will let your people go go. And so the people of God, they leave Egypt and now they find themselves led by Moses out here in what we'll just refer to as the wilderness. 
And you know Moses. His is a familiar story. It's, it's the one where God gives to him the Ten Commandments. And you remember that part, those laws that God gives to him. And there's all the different things that we read about in the Old Testament. There's a lot of stories that we can talk about in the life of Moses. But I want to look in particular at a story of frustration. How do you respond when you're frustrated? Now, we've laughed a little bit about a lady who sends her ex-boyfriend some onions But what you do in a time of frustration has great impact on how you live your life. And can we just be honest? If you've got to find one word to describe where we've been individually and as a nation over the course of these last few weeks and months, it's probably safe to say that at some point you've been frustrated by a pandemic, by the economy, by injustice, by a changing world all around us, by maybe just your own personal frustrations. Now, look, we've been working our way, walking through these different stories in the Old Testament, and we've come to this one. And I think in a very timely way, the principles we will look at today are timeless, but I believe that they apply to where we are right now. And in fact, Scripture itself says that we should pay attention to this story, to the things we're going to look at. In speaking about these people, the the people who were wandering in the wilderness with Moses on their way to the promised land, the Bible tells us this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So the story we're looking at today, the apostle Paul tells us very clearly, is an example. It's one we're supposed to pay attention to. These people in the wilderness, they faced a lot of uncertainty They wondered, where are we going, and how is this going to end? And multiple times, they say, look, how are we going to be provided for? How are we going to know what's coming next? Where's the water, they ask over and over again. They take up some complaining. They're on their way to the promised land. See, what's important for you to realize is that at the very beginning of this story, it was the ultimate story of national freedom. God sets them free from those that were oppressing them, from their captors. They are given an exodus. Their their Independence Day we refer to as Passover. And then as they get away from Egypt, God has this opportunity to show them what he has in store for them. At one point, Moses sends out 12 individuals. Now, we've just got a few of them here on this picture. But he sends out 12 individuals as spies. And he says, I want you to go into the land that God has promised And then after 40 days, they come back and they give this report in Numbers chapter 13 in the Bible. They say, this land is awesome. It is filled with all kinds of fruit and it's a great place to live and to be productive. And they they say, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. They cut down a cluster of grapes and it takes two people to carry them. Like there's this incredible description. And then out of those 12 spies, 10 of them say, but we can never do this. They they say there's no way. The people there are too strong for us to go in and take this land. There's giants in the land. There's no way that we will ever be able to obtain the promise that God has given to us. And here's what happens. Here's the response of a frustrated people. Watch this with me. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness 
Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, I want to encourage you because all of us face times of frustration, whether it is related to the situations we find ourselves in today or whether it's related to just the basic day-to-day in life. And if we're not careful, frustration will get the best of us. That's what happens to these people. Can I show you real quick from this story what, what I'll just call the fruit of frustration? Six things that come out in their lives that we see here that are the fruit of frustration. The first one is this. It's a spirit of fear. The first one is a spirit of fear. It, it says in the scripture that that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. They said the unknown is out there and we don't know what to do. And they were filled with fear. If you and I aren't careful, all of the unknown, all of the uncertainty, all of the things we do know, the headlines, the things we're hearing, they can fill us with fear, and that fear makes us frustrated. Now, I was recently reading the writings of a philosopher. He was writing to a friend. He was writing in a time when he speaks of an evil empire that was trying to institute a one-world government. In fact, he was being persecuted for his faith. In fact, much of his writing he wrote when he was in prison. He'd lost his freedom, and he was watching a godless culture threaten the stability and future of the church that he loved. And in the midst of that time, the Apostle Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. Timothy, in the world in which we live and in the things in which you've been called to do, there will be times when your frustration will lead you to respond in a way filled with fear. And he says, when you have a spirit of fear, God did not give you that. God gave us a spirit not of fear. And so that spirit of fear, it's good for us to know. It's a fruit of frustration. It is not from God. Here's the second fruit of frustration we see in this story. It's what we'll call a spirit of grumbling. It says that all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And look, you didn't see this just in Numbers chapter 14. As you read through the the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you get this feeling about these people. They grumble about food, and they grumble about water, and they grumble about the wilderness, and they grumble about God, and they grumble about their leaders, and they don't like what's going on in their lives. It was a part of their culture. They were looking for someone to blame. They were kind of in this place where they had taken up complaining. And here's what I think you see when you look at this. And I have to watch this in my own life. Oftentimes when I become overly critical, when I start complaining too much, I need to recognize that grumbling is often an outward sign of an inward lack of faith. Grumbling is often an outward sign of an inward lack of faith. Instead, Paul says this to us, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. He says, look, do not allow your frustration to cause you to become 
a grumbler. Oftentimes, grumbling is this selfishness and it's fear that's manifested in our lives because our focus is on ourselves instead of being focused on God. It can be an outpouring, a fruit of frustration in our lives. Here's a third thing that we see as a fruit of frustration is what I would call a spirit of regret. Now, some of you can relate to this. What did, what did these Israelite people say when they were out here in the wilderness? They said, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. They start saying this if only stuff, this spirit of regret. We just wish we weren't here. And it can lead to these unhealthy patterns in our lives. Now, look, regret is different than repentance. Repentance says, I will change things so my life can move forwards. Regret says, I can't change things, so I'm just gonna keep moving backwards. Repentance is when we come to God and say, God, will you help me to change? I don't like where I am. Regret says, I don't like where I am, but I'm probably stuck here. Let's go back to that philosopher I told you about. We know him as Paul the Apostle, and he says this about regret, Philippians chapter three, verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me show you a fourth fruit of frustration. Watch for this in your life. Number four, it's what I would call a spirit of negativity. A spirit of negativity. After they said, well, we wish that we had just died, they say this, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Look, it's important that we live our lives in a way that's realistic, but I have to be careful that realism doesn't lead me from realistic to pessimistic. And if I stay frustrated, a spirit of negativity will come into my life. It'll cause me to shut down. I'll get a mindset where I'm just, I'm just resigning myself to my circumstances. How crazy is it that they say these things that are so negative when what God has done in their lives is so positive? They assume the worst. They accept the negative. And for many of us, this has been a place where, where it has been easy for us to land. We found ourselves frustrated, maybe even isolated, maybe even disappointed, and we get around other people who feel those same ways, and we can feed each other, and it can be easy for us to become negative and maybe even to give up. Let's go back to Paul, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we don't give up. Here's a fifth fruit of frustration. I would maybe just call it a spirit of frenzy. A spirit of frenzy. Here's what happens. That, that frustration builds up in them, and then all of a sudden, they say, wouldn't it be better for us to just go back to Egypt? How crazy is that? They were slaves in Egypt. And for them to say, wouldn't it be better for us to just go back to Egypt? We, you know what? We should choose a leader and just go back to Egypt. That's where they find themselves. And they just, they just start letting their frustrations come out all over. I can do that so quickly when I get frustrated. I can just start shooting off at the mouth and just saying things without being thoughtful of what I'm thinking. You, you see that in how people air their opinions sometimes. Sometimes you see that on social media. Sometimes we see reactionary 
responses. We make foolish decisions. If you could sit down with these Israelite people, you'd say to them, for real, you, you want to go back to Egypt? You know it's going to be miserable if they don't kill you in the first place. Like, I have to ask myself the question sometimes, who am I frustrated with? What am I frustrated with? Where should I go? And, and let me be honest, sometimes it's difficult because you, you find yourself frustrated with those who you feel like you should be able to trust. In those seasons, when that spirit of frenzy comes, let me encourage you to practice, again, what the Apostle Paul says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be careful when you're frustrated if it leads you to a spirit of frenzy because what will often happen is you'll want to make short-term, uh, long-term decisions based on short-term circumstances. The people of Israel found themselves frustrated. And they said, well, let's just go back to Egypt. Because they were frustrated in the moment. They were going to make a decision that was going to put them right back into captivity. I've found that I do not make wise decisions when I'm in a frustration-induced spirit of frenzy. Let me give you just maybe a, a bit of an example of that. Have you ever gone to the grocery store when you're hungry? <laughs> and typically, you, you might have a list of the 10 things that you need, and you walk out with 25 things because you make decisions not based on the long-term needs that you have, but on the short-term circumstances of the frustration of your stomach. Our frustration, if led to a spirit of frenzy, will cause us to make unwise decisions. Maybe even to the point of the sixth thing that I want to show you. Number six, frustration often leads to a spirit of anger. Now, you don't see this in this story in Numbers chapter 14, but you do see it in Numbers chapter 20. I'll let you read it for yourself, but it's a place where where Moses is being asked by God to respond in a way to show grace and provision to the people of Israel. And when he does it, he does it with this spirit of anger. I found that that happens sometimes in our lives, that we get so frustrated that our response, when God would want it to be one that is gracious and has other people in mind, instead we respond with anger. Have you often noticed you, that, that frustration can surface in our lives? Not in situations with the things we're really frustrated with, but we take it out on other people. We take it out on our spouse. We take it out on our children. We take it out on coworkers. There's an inner frustration that outwardly comes out towards even people we're not really that frustrated with. Look, look this one, this spirit of anger, it really convicted me. Because sometimes it just feels good <laughs> to be angry, to get those emotions out, to say those things, to, to have that response. It is an outlet for us, but anger as an outlet often leaves God out. Here's what instead Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And watch this. This is huge about anger. 
Do not give the devil a foothold. Anger in our lives can often give the devil some territory. It allows him to take up some real estate in our brains that that anger causes us to push God out of the way, to insert ourselves in a place where God should be and find ourselves in a place that's just destructive. James says this instead, James chapter one, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Chad, why, uh, why go here on Independence Day? Like on a day that's supposed to be about freedom, why talk about frustration? Because in the lives of the people of God in the Old Testament, As they found themselves frustrated, what happened was a great consequence. God had given them an incredible promise. He said, look, I have a land for you. I'm going to pull you out of captivity. I'm going to give you freedom, and I'm going to give you this freedom so that you can live in my blessing. And then they allow frustration to come in. And the fruit of that frustration comes into their lives Watch what happens next. Numbers chapter 14, verse 21. God says, nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt, will ever see it. God had made them a promise. He said, if you will follow me, I have a promised land that you will go to. But because of the fruit of frustration in their lives, because of the ways that they responded, because of the ways that they pushed back against God in their fear, in their grumbling, in their negativity, in their anger, all those things we looked at, because of those things, God says, you are going to miss out on what I promised you. The reason I think this is so important on this day for you and I is this. When you focus on your frustrations more than your faith, you jeopardize your freedom. When you focus on your frustrations more than your faith, you jeopardize your freedom. The people of God lost the blessing of the freedom that God had given to them because they focused more on their frustrations than they did on their faith. And as a result, they lost the very promise that God had given to them. Now look, as I talked about those different fruit of frustration, I hope you were willing to do a little evaluation or analysis of your own life. And if that frustration has begun to consume you, or distract you, or to shape your responses to things. As your pastor, as your shepherd, I would implore you, step back and take a look at that. Because when your frustration becomes more important than your faith, you jeopardize your freedom. Can I I tell you something? As your shepherd, the issue for me is not whether or not you're wearing a mask in a grocery store. 
The issue for me is not what you post on Facebook. The issue for me is not the conversation you're having with your friend at work. The issue for me is the state of your soul. And here's what I know from this story. And here's what I know from when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, these folks are an example to us. Here's what I know from what I've seen happen in people's lives over the years as a pastor when I've watched frustration get the best of them. Tomorrow's freedom can be forfeited because of today's frustration. The frustration you're wrestling with today, if you do not allow it to be something that God navigates and leads you through, that frustration will rob you of the blessings. It'll rob you of the peace. It'll rob you of the joy. It'll rob you of the freedom that God wants to give you tomorrow. And so you say, Chad, what's the solution? Because for these folks, their frustration did them in, but, but not all of them. Let me introduce you to one other guy. This is Caleb. And Caleb and his friend Joshua were two of the spies. And God says something different about them. See, Caleb sees something that the others, that they just can't see. He's pointing into the distance, and he's saying, look, in the midst of your frustration, do not miss this. Let me tell you what Scripture says about Caleb. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24 says, but because my servant Caleb has a, don't miss this, he has a different spirit, not the spirit of fear, not the spirit of negativity, not the spirit of, of grumbling or of anger, not that spirit. He has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. That land that everybody else is not going to get, that promise that they have forfeited, Caleb's going to get it. And do you know why he's going to get it? Because he has a different spirit. Look, I, I don't, I don't want to just kind of wear rose-colored glasses. I don't want to say we don't have issues in this day and time. Here's what I want you to know. We live in a time that is frustrating. And we live in a culture that is driven so much by frustration. And in a culture of frustration, God's people are called to have a different spirit. In a culture of frustration... God's people are called to have a different spirit. There's something unique when you, you, you go someplace and you go, something's different about this place. Like I know when I walk into a restaurant, I walk into a business, and I've been to other places like that. My friend owns a business, and I know that when I walk into it, I walk in and I go, you know, there's something different here. There's a different spirit about this place. There's something that draws me here as opposed to, to other places. Can I tell you what it was that immediately drew me to my wife Rhonda was because in a world full of people I knew there was something about her that was different. It was attractive to me. God has called us to have a different spirit. So before we're done, can I share with you real quick as I look at the life of Caleb, just three things real quick, three characteristics of a different spirit. If you don't want to have a spirit that shows the fruit of frustration in a time when we live in a frustrated culture, then what kind of spirit should you have? Number one, I hope you'll have a spirit of faith. I hope you'll have a spirit of faith. When everyone else was saying, this is terrible, there's no way that we can do this, we're just going to give up or give in, here's what 
Caleb said, Numbers 14, verse 7, he said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because he will, we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. At some point, we have to come with a spirit of faith that says even if there are giants, even if there are challenges, even if the world around us is so tricky and so difficult, I believe that God will help us through this. If you find that you are focusing on your frustrations instead of talking to God about them first, instead of seeing what God's word says about them first, then maybe it's time to step back and say, God, would you help me to have a spirit of faith? God, to trust you in this. Because then a spirit of faith leads us to the second thing that I would call a spirit of courage. Spirit of courage. Let me take you back to Caleb's words again. Numbers 13, verse 30. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. There's this heart of courage. You're going to see this over and over again in the life of Caleb, all the way into the end of the book of Joshua, where kind of his life is summed up. You see, he was a man who said, surely we can do it with God's help. Look, they never denied that there was a challenge. They never said that, that the things they were facing weren't scary, that it wasn't going to be difficult. They just saw it with eyes of courage. Now, look, I know it might sound like that as I talk about dealing with your frustrations, whether it's things in the current culture that we're in or maybe just the, the places you are in your life, that it sounds like I'm asking you to just bury your head in the sand, to just not think about those things or just ignore them or just try to live all happy if you can. But here's what I'm really asking you to do, to do just the opposite, that you engage the challenges that are ahead of us with courage, that you speak words of life, that you serve those around you, that if God calls you to, you engage in public affairs, you make a difference in this world, but make sure that you are making that difference for God's kingdom and not your own. On this Independence Day weekend, I am so thankful for the country that I live in. Because I'm an American, I have the freedom to live like I'm a Christian. And in the midst of that, to be a person of courage. Look, not just to sit at things, not just to watch the news, not just to read the headlines, not just to let the frustration overtake me. I'm challenged with this thought. If your focus is on the problem and not on the solution, then you are a part of the problem and not the solution. If all I do is focus on the problem and I never say, God, what do you want me to do, big or small, to be a part of this solution? then I'm actually just a part of the problem and not the solution. So that'll affect the way that I vote. That'll affect the way that I serve. That'll affect the way that I love my neighbor. It's going to be a lot of things, but can I tell you at the end of the day what the problem is? The problem is that we live in a broken world, and the solution is pointing people to Jesus. You see that in the writings of Paul over and over again. You see that 
all throughout the scripture. And don't think that you're not being called to be a person of courage. Remember that when they took these steps of faith into the promised land, they did it knowing it would be difficult, knowing it would take a long time, knowing that it would cost them something, knowing that it would mean at times that they would have to do things that they do not want to do. Oh, man, does that bother me. It bothers me when I think I'm going to have to do something that I do not want to do. But what if I could say, God, I'll do what you've called me to do. God, I'll be open to what you would have for me to do. And do it with a spirit of, of joy and hope to know that it's a part of how I deliver that hope to the world. I read this week about a, a driver who was delivering a package from Amazon. And as they came up to the door, they realized that there were special delivery instructions. This was a home in Delaware. The mom who posted the video of this and told the story said that she had no idea that at some point her youngest son had gone on their Amazon account and where it asks for special delivery instructions, the son had put in that blank that when an item is delivered, the delivery person is to knock on the door three times and scream abracadabra as loud as you can and then run away super fast. And on this video that was captured on one of those doorbell cams, when this delivery driver dropped off the package, she knocked on the door, she yelled abracadabra, and then she sprinted back to her delivery van. She did something with great passion, even though it may have been something she did not want to do. Can I challenge you? That's how we deliver what God has given us for the world. It's the third thing. It's a spirit of hope. If you are going to have a different spirit, it will be a spirit of hope. Do you know why God was giving this land to the people of Israel? The whole reason he called them to the promised land, and you read about it in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'm going to bless you because through you, I want to bless the world. See, the reason God has given us as his people freedom, the reason he has given us peace, the reason he has given us hope is so that with that spirit of hope, we can bless others. Our lives affect others. Can I tell you this? Jesus needs a faithful, courageous, hope-filled church, not a frustrated one. He needs one that's going to say, God, we will engage the people around us. We will share our faith with others. Can I tell you, the world is in a season of desperation. There are people around you who need to hear not just your theories and not just your opinions. They need to see Jesus in your life and a spirit of hope because the reason God has given you his grace and his promises and his freedom is because as he blesses you, he wants you to be a blessing to others. You probably have never heard the name Frederick Stanley Mockford. I never had. But he was given a challenge back after World War I. He was challenged to come up with some kind of code word. It was a code word so that when planes were in a state of distress, they could get on the radio and they could radio for help. And when people would hear that word, they would know that it was a time that someone needed help. 
he came up with this because he, he knew there were a lot of planes that were flying between England and France. And he said, is there some kind of word that I, that I could merge together so that we would know that distress cry, that call for help? And so he found this word. It, 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 the word is mayday. It's the French pronunciation of mayday, which is a stilled version of the name mayday or come help me. And so in 1927, the international distress call was adopted. Mayday, mayday, mayday. It's a cry for help. And can I tell you right now, I honestly believe that our world is crying mayday, mayday, mayday. And you know how I know that? Because I see it in the frustration that is around us and is God's people. We've been called not to be a people of frustration. We've been called to be a people with a spirit of faith and courage and hope who step into the world and say, because of the freedom that God has given to us, we're going to do our best to bring that same grace, promise, and truth, freedom to you. Here's my challenge. Do you have a different kind of spirit? In a world and a culture that's frustrated, do you have a, a different spirit? When this story is recounted of what happened to God's people in the book of Hebrews, the author of the book of Hebrews, and in quoting from Psalm 95, says this, that this is my encouragement and my hope for you. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they've not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest when they focused on their frustration instead of their faith they lost their freedom in a world of frustration God's called us to have a different spirit he desires to give you rest if you will look to and trust in him can I ask you just kind of right where you are, would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? And I'm going to ask you just to take a quick look inside your own heart, inside your own life. And have you allowed frustration to become your focus more than your faith in God? Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a moment where you're saying, God, I've allowed the things, the circumstances in my life around me to take that first place. And I don't want to lose your freedom. I don't want to lose your rest. God, I want to trust in you. Or maybe for the very first time, you, you would say, Jesus, I need you to make a difference in my life. I need that rest. I need that hope. I need the confidence that can only be found through your forgiveness and your purpose and your grace in my life. And today you need to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you all that I have. As I lead us in this prayer, I would invite you to pray this with me, a prayer of receiving God's grace, of handing your frustrations to him, and 
putting your faith in him as well. If you would, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that speaks life to me. I give you my frustrations and I put my faith in you. May I live in the freedom and the promise that you give. I ask your forgiveness. Be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord. May I live in the freedom that only you can bring. In Jesus' name, amen.